Mason, no. I'm not going anywhere. I hate it here. I want to go home. You don't want to go? You don't want to go? No. No, I don't. <laughs> Why don't you want to go, Jake? Tell me. Mason, stop. I can't do this, man. I can't yeah. do this. Can't do what? Play this wonderful game of, of fantasy football? Well, my therapist says that I can still play, but maybe I just need to take some deep breaths before each game. So some deep breaths. You want to talk about it? You want to tell me about how your <sighs> how your team did? If I have to, Mason. If I have to, um, I, I I will say this. I I just got to give you props, man. Two championships in a row. Uh, you've posted, I think, two of the highest scores in any championship in any season. And, uh, you know, I was I was telling my uh, my in-laws that for the second straight year, I lost in the fantasy championship, which really sucks. But what sucks more is that I lost to the same team. <laughs> but what sucks more than that is that that same team is also Mason Paws, one of my best friends in the world. So, mm-hmm. yeah, that's, uh, that's the synopsis. And this has been the final episode of the Sunday's Finest podcast. Yeah, we'll just cut it off there. We're not coming back next year. It's just, it's yeah. over. It's done with. Well, I mean, Mason, you know, it's, it's you're not the champ. all bad. It's not all bad. You guys <laughs> have a lot to hang your hat on, you know? Yeah. I, I really want to just go back to that mid-season podcast where I, and I quote, said something effective. You've got Christian McCaffrey going for you. And that's about it. And we laughed and your season seemed like it was going off the rails. <laughs> it was a much better time, Mason. It was a much yeah. better time. For sure. Yeah, go back to all those pods in the middle of the season when uh, Connor Connor said to me that the way that you open the pod is never different. You always say, good, man, good. Things are going good. I like my team a lot. We're winning a lot of games. Things are going great. Yeah. <laughs> those, those are those are happier times. times. Yeah. They were. They were. But, uh, yeah, man, championship game. Um, there's there's a lot that could be said, and honestly, there's, there's not much to say at the same time. Uh, Mm-hmm. Yeah, it it is obviously a pretty pretty fat bummer for Ryan and I. Um, had a lot of things just kind of go against us. You know that that first game um, between Houston and and Tampa Bay, um, DeAndre Hopkins goes for five catches for 23 yards, um, and Chris Godwin's out. Uh, Ryan and I had a specific conversation. I said to him. I think week 15 waivers I said hey you know maybe we should just pick up somebody like you know Bashad Perriman and and our conversation literally went like this we said when has Bashad Perriman ever done anything in his whole career <laughs> so yeah that's about how it went from the first game I kind of had a, a sick feeling in the pit of my stomach that it just wasn't going to be our game um, Hopkins went for his season low 7.3 points and Kind of all went downhill from us for there, man. Our, our first pick, Nick Chubb, goes for four. While we've got Philip Lindsay sitting on our bench, who gets 19. We uh, throw Mike Boone in at the flex, thinking that that was a real savvy move. Mike Boone mm-hmm. gets four points. Tyler Boyd, 33. Yeah. But to be oh, fair, dude. also with Boone, I, I thought that was the right play by you guys. And then, like, the following week, he goes and does what we all thought that he would do against Green yeah. Bay. And he yeah. scored 24 points in week 17 um, with, you know, a Bears team that was fielding most of their starters. So I feel like, you know, like, I don't know. It, yeah, it, it is. It is a bummer. And I feel like a lot of guys that had really supported you all all season just like happened to have their bad week yeah. on like the important week, which stinks. But it's also like not, you know. A, a, a black mark against you guys I feel like you guys made a lot of good decisions still so yeah I uh I was on a, a cruise for the championship and um I, I went down there was one tv on the boat that uh like played ESPN and it was Monday Night Football Mike Boone's playing we needed like something like 40 points out of Mike Boone and uh so I'm watching the first drive and Green Bay has the ball they go down they they fumble and the Vikings get the ball on like the six yard line. We're like just a minute into the game. And I'm like, oh my God, okay. Mike Boone rushes us in, gets a touchdown. That's six points right off the bat. Like we could really do this. <laughs> and uh, and they hand him the ball and he gets stuffed at like the two yard line. They get stuffed again. They get stuffed a third time and out walks Dan Bailey, your kicker, who just kicks one right up the pipe. <laughs> and I just like threw an absolute tantrum 
people were looking at me. I was literally like cursing under my breath and uh, just vowed I, I was done. I wasn't watching the rest of the 59 minutes of that game. So, yeah, man. But again, congrats to you. Tell us about your squad, how uh, how you saw the championship game play out for you. You made a couple savvy moves yourself. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, thanks. And all, all kudos to you guys, too. I mean, it can't be overstated. I was looking at just like prepping for this and looking at some of the best players available and I think of the seven best available or something like that, you guys have at least two of them or something like that in, in rankings, not including your keepers. So you guys will have like DeAndre Hopkins, um, Nick Chubb, and Chris Goblin will all be very highly drafted. And it's just like, yeah, the team you guys put together, like another great year, another great draft by you all. But for my part, I think, um, you know, I wasn't watching a lot of it um, because it, it was just like, you know, the time zone difference and we were doing things, um, which was really nice for my stress levels, actually. It was like good to just like <laughs> put it away. Um, but I think like we talked about like, you know, Russell kind of I felt like needed to have a good game and he and he didn't really come through again. Like but but I think that, you know, like it just everybody kind of showed up when I needed yeah. him to most. And I think yeah. like. Melvin Gordon had the most Melvin Gordon game of season. I think he like uh, totaled like 40 yards of offense. Yeah, but he yeah. scored two touchdowns and had six catches, which is just like, you know, how useful was he to his team? Like not really that useful, but like he racked up the points where, where fantasy uh, counts, um, which helped a lot. And then, um, you know, Travis Kelsey's just had a screamer at the end of the year and he continued that and, was riding that and then um yeah i think just like solid prom uh, uh performances across the board and it carried me to my second one um which i'm thrilled about obviously yeah but man. also all kudos to you guys yeah we uh we all know that you're the you're the empire at this point i think your your team next year might just have to be palpatine's army or the sith lords or something like that um because we're if we weren't gunning to beat you before, we're definitely definitely coming after you now. But um, yeah, yeah, man, that's fair. But you, you. I mean, you saw how at the end of nine uh, that ended out for uh, <laughs> for Emperor Palpatine. So I, I feel like there's uh, if the if you guys are the resistance and 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 I'm the emperor, then the ending is going to be one that I don't like. So yeah, spoiler alert. I I uh, I will say this. Loved loved Rise of Skywalker. One question though, to your point. Why doesn't Palpatine just stop shooting the lightning? <laughs> just stop, dude. <laughs> like, you are killing yourself, okay? Uh, yeah. Not, not sure what that's about. But, uh, yeah, man, um, we will we'll ask uh, maybe one more question here, and, and then we'll move on. There's, there's lots to chat about in this end-of-season review, uh, more than just our teams. But I will ask you this before we go. Do you know which jersey you are going to choose because you already have a Christian McCaffrey jersey. You are yeah. literally running out of players to pick yeah. from. Who, whose jersey are you going to buy? That's fair. Last year I was between the powder blues um, and I got the powder blues and it yeah. ended up being as big as a dress on me. So I can't even wear that thing. <laughs> um, and this year I went with the black. So hopefully yeah. this time I got a small and I'm sure it will come in and be too small to wear because that's the risky <laughs> run buying from yeah. DH gate. So this is true. This is true. Um, I will ask you actually this as well, Mason. There are only two teams uh, in the league who during week 16 championship week would have beat you if they were playing in the championship instead of Ryan and I. Without looking, can you tell me off the top of your head who either of those teams would be? It's one of them Riley? One of them is not Riley. Oh, wow. Then, yeah, I have no idea then. Tell me. It was Andrew Fry and Stefan Albiero who came wow. in 10th and 12th place respectively. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. so, yeah, man, um, you never know. How your team's going to trend. Um, fantasy is a, a funny beast. But uh, speaking of Riley, he, he may not have beat you, um, but he did put up a, a solid 126 points to Jake Davis's 102, which means Riley gets the uh, the bronze medal. Any thoughts on the, the third place game, Mason? Um, yeah, I think it's just like is a, a – um... It's a cap on the season that was good for Riley and, and, yeah. and also a good one for Jake Davis too. And I think this just like shows the strength of both the owners. I think Riley has four playoff appearances now and yeah. two top three finishes, which is obviously a very great track record. And I think we've been doing this for seven years now. And then Jake Davis, a latecomer, not one of the first uh, guys in the league, but uh, certainly a, a very good owner. 
He now yeah. has also four playoff appearances, four in the last five years. And every time he's gone to the playoffs, he has finished in the top four. So a yeah. uh, very good track record for him, too. So it's kind of the battle of the Giants right there Two two guys who can definitely claim to be dynasties in this league. Yeah, absolutely. I, uh, I've got to say, uh, Jake Davis should be a, uh, a tight end analyst because the guys he picks up at the end of the season, that tight end, I swear, it's just ridiculous. Tyler yeah. Higby, the last five weeks, 23, 18, 23, 19, and 22. Yeah. And then on his bench, he's got Mike Jacecki, who went for 26 and 13 the last two weeks of the season. So. Yeah, it's a, it's incredible. We gave him all that grief for giving away yeah. uh, Kittle. But, I mean, Higby was just as good down the stretch, maybe even yeah. better. So, yeah, it's like yeah. the pickups are really where it comes in, especially at the end. Yeah, I think he outscored um, Kittle almost every single week the last five weeks of the season. And Kittle didn't finish shabby himself. Uh, again, Riley had a... A real nice performance from Kittle, from uh, Julian Edelman, from Fournette. But uh, I think one of the, the best moves Riley made down the stretch for himself securing that uh, that third-place finish was picking up Ryan Fitzpatrick, um, a fantasy football legend, uh, mm-hmm. Ryan Fitzpatrick. <laughs> True. <laughs> who, uh, you know, oh, go ahead. Do you know what his uh, final position rank was? Ooh. Um, was it I'm above or sure. below 10? I'd say below, but... Um, but I'm probably wrong. <laughs> no, it is it is below. It is 17, uh, which you also have to think wow. he basically didn't play for like four weeks of the season because yeah. they did the uh, Josh Allen experiment. But in his last five games, he went 24, 31, 20, 14, and then 26. So uh, four of five uh, were, you know, probably in the top five at the position down the stretch, which is incredible. And 17th is probably still better than a lot of guys who are drafted much, much higher than him. But yeah, Baker Mayfield looking here went 20, Drew Brees 21. So yeah, not a, not a bad finish from Fitzpatrick and uh, and from quite a few guys, Mason. We're we're gonna move away a little bit now from just talking about the championship in the third place game and kind of get into everybody's seasons. How did it go? Get into a little past, present, and future of the league and Sunday's finest. So. Why don't you why don't you dive in with us, Mason? Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, just a little housekeeping. This is going to be the last pod for a while, which is sad. Um, mm-hmm. Probably won't do one until the beginning of the next season. I don't know. Maybe we'll do one in the middle, like something about like free agency and teams getting moved around. I don't really know. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, it will be a good one. This last pod, uh, like you said, we'll do a little past, present, future, um, and you guys will see what that is as we go along. Um, also I want to do a couple quick shout outs before we start, uh, one shout out to, uh, double move sports for the awesome content. Um, yes. everybody who listens to this pod, which is like probably maybe 20 people should definitely go <laughs> to that pod, which you all probably already do. But if you don't, it's freaking awesome content and it helps me down the stretch, uh, for sure. Um, also wanted to say shout out to Trent Earps for running the Instagram and doing the league stats always does an awesome job. And this year was no exception. And then also a uh, shout out to Zach and Hunter for shedding their rookie status and becoming full league members next year. That's right. Anything else, Jake, before we dive in? Uh, let's do it, man. Yeah. So we're going to do a little past right now. And the past is we're going to look at the preseason rankings and see what we got wrong. And then from that, see if we or the teams that we got things wrong in the preseason rankings about can learn anything from it uh, and carry that to next year. Um, so starting that off with us is uh, Trent and Hunter. Jake, you want to talk about them? Yeah, man. It's uh, it's kind of tough to know where exactly it went off the rails for this squad. Um, and we've talked about this a bit. We, we were huge, huge hyping this team at the beginning of the season, picked them to, to finish in first place. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's remarkable. You noted here that uh, they ended with five of their seven starters in the top 11 at their position, which is just, it's kind of wild to think about how none of their guys just had like truly awful seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think if you look closer, there's a lot of week to week inconsistency or low level consistency. When you look at guys like Zeke at Julio, who they acquired, um, Tyler Lockett was pretty inconsistent and just choosing who to start and sit. I, I don't think they caught many breaks there. And, mm-hmm. um, yeah, these guys are, are both good football minds, obviously good good owners. Um, sometimes the season just doesn't go your way. Um, but again, I will say this. We just kind of bragged on Jake Davis about how good he was at, 
uh, picking up players um, at the tight end position at important positions on waivers. Uh, the Chris Herndon experience for Trent and Hunter was one that could only be summarized as disaster. <laughs> um, not the not the season they wanted at tight end. And um, yeah, I think the lesson here probably is that it's just a week to week game, and you get a couple bad breaks, your season can kind of fall apart. Um, before you're able to fix it what do you think yeah I think like you've kind of said a lot of it I think that they like really did struggle with the start sits you know some of those like decisions can be really a lot of luck but there is like some thought in it as well and I I just remember them kind of trying to ride the Emmanuel Sanders train like he was a guy that was really up and down um, and they like you know missed on a lot of those and then also with like Lockett when he had his just like kind of like wild downturn in the middle of the season or like right in the middle of the playoff push that was a guy that, you know, you, you got to keep trotting him out there. And they just like, yeah, I just kept getting killed by him. Um, yeah. But I think, like you said, you know, the weekly game thing is really important. But also I think like a, a lesson that I'm taking away from this team here is like about roster construction. And I think mm-hmm. that's like it's interesting because I think you like need to think about your team as a whole and not just about like, you know, who can I put out there that's necessarily going to have a good week. I think you need to like look at the numbers and try and put out guys there that like, you know, like guys that have high floors, but also like, like pair those guys with guys that can really pop off. And then like, you look at teams, like, I don't know, like a team we're going to talk about in a minute, which is like Jackson's team. He had a really nice pairing of those kinds of guys with like Mike Evans who could really hit it hard, but also guys that were like going to leave him with like a pretty high floor still. And I think they just like had like, you know, like roster construction wise, it didn't like pan out that way for him. So that's like the lesson that I think I'm looking at and taking from this team yeah man that's great um you talked about jackson's team a little bit it's definitely another one that we got wrong uh from the beginning of the season diving in a little bit deeper as to to what his team was and and why we were wrong yeah for sure um so he's a team that i think we both picked to finish last and it's just like yeah. it didn't, didn't happen that way he had a great season and he really only missed out at the very end i think that he was alive in the last week and just like unfortunately lost had a lot of good mid to late round hits. Those are the guys that are like easy to get analysis on wrong. Um, but Jackson was right. And that was Cortland Sutton, you know, a guy that like obviously stepped into a really big role in the second year. Um, then the Ravens D I mean, like D is one of those positions. It's really hard to predict who's going to do well, but if you can, yeah. then like, you know, you get a lot of points from him and then Kenny G as well. Who had a great season. Um, good pickup early in the season with Terry McLaurin, the guy, a guy that a lot of us stayed away from, but he did really well with, and then also you got to look at his trades too. Uh, traded Kenny G in, uh, for DJ Moore and Hunter Henry, which was just like a big hit and really helped him yeah. over this top. Um, and and end up being into a playoff contender. I think that that trade was a, a big reason for that. Um, but in the end, he was kind of you know torpedoed by that that same inconsistency that we were lauding Mike Evans for. I think he had yeah. like some bad um, performances down the stretch, so it can easily like you know. Uh, drag you down too and then also there's a uh, Tevin Coleman who you know had high value in the middle I think at one point I even offered him like Melvin Gordon for Tevin in a piece or something like that and then he ended up basically being unstartable and that's just yeah. like kind of the 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 uh, wave you ride with the Kyle Shanahan offense so uh, what are some lessons that you see from Jackson's team here yeah I think you you made a lot of great points about a squad and and one that jumps off the page to me is uh, the Roller coaster of the season that was Jameis Winston. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of wild to think about the season that he had and um, how that worked out for for Jackson. But um, Jameis was drafted by Steph, I believe, was um, dropped, then picked up by Riley, then dropped, um, sat unpicked up for about a week, I believe, and then Jackson picked him up for for two dollars. You think about. Some of the guys who had $35, $40 thrown at them mm-hmm. and uh, just absolutely just did nothing. <laughs> were complete yeah. busts. And then you look at guys specifically at positions like quarterback and tight end who were added at specific times by owners that really paid off. Um, I think the lesson we learned at tight end from a team like Jake Davis could really be applied here as well at quarterback for, for Jackson. Jameis ends the season as QB5. Mm-hmm. QB5, man. <laughs> it's yeah. uh it's wild to think about and he did still have the occasional week where only got 10 12 points much has been made about the the 30 interceptions that he threw um but man if you can get the ball into the end zone consistently as a quarterback in the nfl you're gonna put up a lot of fantasy points yeah. and 
the dude just throws for like 350 to 450 yards every single week. Yeah. So if you uh, if you can roll the dice and like you said, pair that with guys who some have high high ceilings, some of which have high floors. I think you can put together a team that is going to go out and compete every single week, but can also post you know 125 to 150 um, without much surprise. So I, sure. I, I think Jackson's a Jackson's going to have a great season next year. I'll be be intrigued to see who he um, decides to keep. I think it, it could definitely be Mike Evans, but uh, it'll be interesting to see whether Godwin starts to to take over there and, and what Jackson may do. But uh, a great season for him proved a lot of the doubters wrong. Mm-hmm, yeah, I think, I think yeah, like kudos to Jackson. He's definitely on the up, um, has had some early struggles in his time in the league, but I think like this is evidence of like where he can go and what's in uh, in store for the future for him. Um, I think like what you said is makes a lot of sense, Jake. And, and I'll say to that before I'll say my lesson, but like, I think like, you know, cutting through a lot of the just like noise and like looking at actual production is so important. And I think like, you know, the noise around Jameis is that he's like a meme, like he's a laughing stock and all those stuff. And like, it's so easy yep. to just like talk in the group me and be like, you know, this person sucks just cause like, that's what everyone else is saying. Or like, that's what like you saw in that game. But just like, I mean, Jackson like didn't listen to any of that and like cut through it and like saw the stats and like it paid off for him. Um, yep. And then the lesson that I've learned, I think, is that just like mid to late rounders are the guys that hold so much value for your team. Yep. And there's always dudes, always dudes that are just like way too highly drafted just because of like, you know, fantasy Twitter's obsessed with them. I'm thinking of like Curtis Samuel is like a good example or something like that. And then there's always guys that fall really far just because like people forget that they're going to step into bigger roles or like that they have like actual talent. And like I think Cortland Sutton's a really good example of that. And so, like, obviously, like, you know, like saying there's value in mid to late rounders isn't anything new. But I think, like, the fact that, like, Jackson was able to exploit that is a lesson that we can, like, look at his team and, like, take to next year. Absolutely, man. Speaking of lessons that we can learn from certain teams and hopefully take in the next season, mm-hmm. um, I, I got to think about Riley Hayes and his squad. <sighs> Uh, the running back trio, which just was absolutely dominant and uh, was put together because almost every guy in that squad was seen to have injury concern. Mm-hmm. And yet there's Riley in third place. Once again, another great season. What do you what do you see as kind of the, the synopsis on Riley's season and mm-hmm. and uh, maybe something we can learn from his squad? For sure. Yeah, I, I think like the biggest thing here for me is is don't let injuries scare you off. Like, this is, like, kind of, like, going off of what you said on Jackson, too. But, like, you know, like, the noise surrounding Leonard Fournette is, like, he's, oh, he's going to get hurt. And I think that one's, like, probably a little bit more legitimate because I think, like, you know, if you look at injuries, like, soft tissue injuries, like, hamstrings and, like, calves are the things that typically you see, like, crop up over and over again in a player's career. But, like, for example, with like Dalvin, like, you know, what did he do last year? Like broke a leg or something or like, and then like the season before that he tore an ACL like that. That's just like, like, there's nothing about like those things about like, you know, NFL players don't have brittle bones. Like those things are just NFL players. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Those, those are just like unlucky things that happen if that happens like twice in a row for a player. And I think like, you know, Dalvin's a great example of that. And I think like Riley, like definitely took advantage of that. And then also like, for the same thing with Leonard Fournette is like, you know, he's had some hamstring issues and I think that was actually like a legitimate concern, but like, I mean, the place that he got him in the draft was just absolute value. And so the, the lesson for me here is, is don't let injuries scare you off. Like, I think that, you know, it's important to consider them, but as far as we let Leonard Fournette fall in the draft, let me pull it up. We let him go in the, our third round. So like in like, I think he was, the 35th overall player drafted like that's ridiculous and i think that's a lesson i'm going to take forward for next year oh 100 percent, man and and i think yeah you look at Fournette, but you also got to look at derrick henry and just think Mm -hmm. about the way that that guy fell and and i remember telling ryan as as henry just kept falling and falling i wanted nothing to do with that guy i thought yeah thought he was a fluke you know he came on strong at the end of the last season and and was an absolute monster. And I, I love watching the clips of mm-hmm. Derrick Henry running because he looks like I don't know if you've ever seen a clip of like LeBron playing high school basketball <laughs> where he's like six foot nine and he's just dunking on some like 
five foot seven redheaded kid who's yeah. just trying to dive out of the way. Mm-hmm. Derrick Henry looks like that in the NFL, man. Mm-hmm. In the NFL. All yeah. grown men, the best football players in the world. He's an absolute monster. And I think in our PPR league, we can get, you know, really sucked into just thinking about guys who catch a lot of passes. And, and we'll get into that in a little bit because I think I think there's still a lot of value there. But when a guy is as good at running the football as Derrick Henry is, to let him fall down the draft board the way we did is is honestly a shame on 13 of the 14 owners <laughs> so in true. this league. And and total props to Riley. I, I think uh, he absolutely, absolutely crushed it in this draft. And, um, yeah, uh, an owner that we could all all learn something from for sure. Yeah, absolutely agree with that. You know, the the lesson there is, there's, yeah, don't, don't be scared off by non-pass catching running backs because if yep. there's talent, there's talent. So that leads me, I think, to the last we've talked about some teams, but I think just like one of the questions I'm going to ask you, and then I'll provide my answer too, is just just what's the biggest lesson? What's the biggest lesson that you learned from this year? Because that's what this game is. It's all about you know learning and, and moving forward in the next year. Yeah, it is, man. Um, I will say, I think that one of the biggest lessons for me this year, um, and you know, I, I think this was a really a really fun season, and and I, I was obviously super bummed to not be able to attend the Sundays. Um, but to see, um, Ryan, and I get to get the best sleeper award for Devonte Parker and to, to really put together another great draft, um, that got some, some props from the league meant a lot to me specifically this season, because I actually got to be at the draft. Um, one of my <laughs> biggest lessons from the, the year is that, uh, the draft is, is literally the best day on the 365 day year calendar. Um, for sure. Yeah, just love this league, man. And um, I think that being able to put more time than I ever have into draft prep for this season um, seemed like it really paid off. And I think that um, being able to go with guys you have a good feeling about, have research and think will be able to to kind of pop off um, is, is one of the best things that you can do. Um, for me, that was a guy like Chris Godwin, had a really good feeling about him. Uh, maybe picked him a little higher than than some people might have, but he had a great season. Um, same thing went for Nick Chubb. Don't think a lot of people would have picked him second overall, but we did and um, turned out pretty well for us. Um, at the same time, you know, we had a really good feeling about Sonny Michelle and wanted to take him and he got snagged like a pick before us. So, so sometimes that doesn't work out, but I think you've really kind of got to do your research and, um, and believe in the guys who, um, yeah, you, you've done, you've done your work on, I think about a guy like Austin Eckler, who, um, is RB4 on the season. And still, when I'm looking at even rankings for, for 2020, I'm seeing this guy as like RB11, RB14. It's crazy, man. Guy's a monster. He catches a lot of passes and, um, yeah, I mean, you, you think about the season that he had, um, and what he was able to do. Um, he was a guy who Steph believed in and um, kind of carried him throughout the season. So I think one of the biggest lessons for me is um, pick guys that you really believe in and, and let them try to, to ride. But at the same time, you can't be afraid to pivot and make decisions um, that may kind of crush you. I think maybe one of the, the hard things for us, and, and you hit on this um, just before the championship, is that I think maybe for me, I held on to some of those guys like they were my brothers, like mm. I was their literal GM and coach. And sure. Fantasy football, man, I, I I probably should have been a little bit more willing at the deadline to package a few of those guys to pick up another star player. Right. Uh, I think you, you really pointed that out, and I hoped it wouldn't um, be true, but mm-hmm. it was. You, you were so, a little too Jerry Jones there, not wanting to yes, let your guy go, you know? Yes, I was. So a bit of a conundrum there. Uh, stick with your guys and don't stick with your guys at the same time. Sure. Uh, That's a great little lesson that is. I'm going but... to write that on my whiteboard. <laughs> I'm going to put put that down. Stick with your guys and don't stick with your guys. Yeah. Mason, you won three championships. I'm sure you've got some, some better lessons than I do. What uh, what did you learn? No, from no, no, I love it. That's good. I think that's good advice. Um, so I think my biggest lesson from the year is, you know, save some of the waiver dollars. But not too much. And I think that like the balance there with waiver dollars is important. I think I like read some articles at the beginning of the year that I was like super on board with, which was just basically like, you should just house it and spend all your waiver money by like week eight or something (laughs) like that. And like, you should be just like blowing cash everywhere because the longer that you have a guy, the more that he can affect your season. And it made sense to me. And so I was out there like 
you know, trying to bid every bit of my waiver dollars that I could. And I got outbid in some like pretty important players um, like Kenny Stills, like Ty Johnson. And there are those players that like, you know, do so well at the beginning of the season. But the thing is, is that I think you really got to balance it and save those waiver dollars for the end too, especially if you have a playoff team. Um, yeah. Because guys like A.J. Brown, Debo Samuel, Brashad Perryman, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, like you talked about Ryan Fitzpatrick. Josh Allen yeah. had a really good like playoff push time. Like these are all guys that can really carry you to a championship who aren't like necessarily good season long players. And I think that like having the way over dollars to bid for those guys is super important, especially if you like are thinking that you're going to make the playoffs. So that's something that I'll carry into the next year that I'm not going to try and blow my waiver dollars as quickly as I tried to this year. Yeah, man. And, and credit, credit to you. You spent a total of $17 on AJ Brown, Raheem Mostert and Bashad Pyramid. That's, uh, that's what, that's what you're looking for, man. And, um, you know, I think, we talked about Trenton Hunter's team and maybe where some of it went wrong there. They they finished the season with $53 left. Uh-huh. Chase Stars finished the season with $60 left. Um, you know, you've got to you got to spend it while you got it. And um, and maybe we just praised Riley a lot, but maybe one of the tough things for Riley and reason why he wasn't playing in the championship is because he spent, I think saved like almost 90 of his dollars till the very very end of the season mm-hmm. um, which he had a great team and you know could have very much been just saving to make sure he got the best possible player come come playoff time but um yeah there's guys like AJ Brown and Raheem Mostert who are sitting there and we all kind of pass by and you picked them up for a couple of dollars so finding the balance of when to spend and um when to not go too crazy is is definitely a, a lesson we can all learn Sure. Yeah. So that's lessons learned from the past and we'll uh, move on to the present. Um, this is uh seems like the last year we're going to be in the playoff challenge, yeah. but um, I figured that we would uh, still give it the time of day. It's fun. It's an enjoyable thing. And I think like in the future we'll keep doing it just not to determine uh, draft order. Uh, maybe just like as a fun game for some money. Cause I still enjoy it. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think uh, just uh, giving a little bit of airtime to that would be fun. Um, so I got two questions about the first I wanted you to answer, and that is, uh, who are some of the essentials for the playoff challenge this year? Yeah, I think if you didn't pick Lamar, then what are you even doing this for? Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is crazy because he actually was only picked on like 33% of teams. Uh, yeah, I think I saw like, like Drew Brees was, was like 45% of teams or something like that. And he lost <laughs> in the first round and... <laughs> didn't even score he was the uh he wasn't even in the top five of quarterbacks in terms of points um i think Taysom hill yeah Taysom hill was higher than drew Brees. yeah which is uh pretty hilarious and um now lamar's owned by uh 48 percent of teams in the playoff challenge so pardon me people are starting to learn their lesson i guess but i think lamar is definitely that should absolutely be 100 percent. yeah lamar is definitely one and and mark ingram i think is probably a second you know, this is kind of interesting for you and I, Mason. Um, UI uh, and Jackson Humphrey are a part of a fantasy Premier League uh, group. And fantasy Premier League is a lot different from uh, typical fantasy football. A bit more like the playoff challenge where um, anybody can choose technically the, the same roster, the same group yeah. of guys. Uh-huh. In fantasy Premier League, you have $100 million that you can spend to create your ideal roster. And so you're kind of trying to determine – you know, for, for Ryan and I, we looked and said, well, okay, if we choose Lamar, everyone's going to choose Lamar. If he scores 50 points, that's great. It doesn't help us or hurt us. You just kind of got to choose a couple of guys who are going to even you out so that the other players you pick will really kind of boost your stock and help you get sure. uh, a higher pick. So I think Lamar and Mark Ingram are probably um, two of the must-goes. And, and honestly, um, maybe I'm revealing my cards here, but we went with uh, – Justin Tucker and the Ravens defense um, as yeah, well. Yeah, I don't think you're revealing your cards. Like, everybody's kind of, like, <laughs> locked into their teams. Pretty much the only changes that anybody's going to make now is if a person loses. And then if they, like, yeah. you know, pick a team that, like, you already have, then you're just ahead of them, you know? Yeah, but I, I definitely think the Ravens have the, the clearest path to the Super Bowl. And with Tennessee upsetting New England, um, obviously Tennessee's no joke. They're a great squad. They're, they're hot right now. But I definitely think the Ravens have the clearest path to the Super Bowl. Um, they were at like 48% chance of getting the Super Bowl before the playoffs started, according to uh, to a couple of different um, sites. So I think those are a couple of essential guys. But, uh, 
yeah, any any differentials or any guys you're kind of taking a look at, Mason? Any anybody you think will really be a difference maker? There's a handful of good differentials. I think it's just down to like whether you have the balls to pick them. I think I think <laughs> now the most obvious differentials that are probably going to get even higher owned, and they might not even be differentials anymore now that the Saints lost. Um, yeah. are Packers players. And I think that's yep. uh, Aaron Jones. He's, you know, obviously one of the highest scoring leverage backs, like gets so many red zone touches. Um, and he's playing against one of the worst rush defenses in the league left. And that's the Seahawks. They can't stop to run the save of their life. And then Devonte Adams is kind of the same thing. It's like the Seahawks aren't great against the pass. And Devonte Adams has 20 points and f- 20 points or more in four of his last five games. And yeah. I don't see a reason for that stopping, especially in cold Green Bay when the Seahawks are going to come up. And I don't know. I, I don't know if they'll get smacked in that game, but I don't think it's yeah. going to be close. So I think that's yeah. uh, a couple of the differentials I'm looking at. Any any that you had your eyes on? Yeah. I mean, yeah, Devontae's a great one. Um, DK Metcalf was just an absolute beast <laughs> in that wild card game. Guy is just an incredible specimen of a human being. Um, and it'll be interesting to see. I believe right now he's only owned by 5% of teams mm-hmm. um, going into the divisional round. And, and I'll be honest, Ryan and I are thinking long and hard about um, picking DK as our, our second wide receiver, um, thinking that, yeah, if not many guys pick him up, he could be someone who really, yeah. really carries you. Um, but I think that, again, the point you pointed out there is that the Seahawks, not a great, not a great chance of them um, coming into Green Bay and getting the win. And I, I, I think that's, Really, what a lot of this comes down to is yeah. kind of just betting on teams. Who do you yeah, think you is going to make it to the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. um, and who's the best player on those teams? So we sure. we got a lot of guys, uh, to be honest, from from Baltimore and and from one specific NFC team who we think might make a deep run to the playoffs. Yeah, I mean we'll that's the thing with the diffs and this, like the differentials <laughs> yeah. here. Like it's it's so much. Like you have to balance like the true differentials in this playoff challenge, right? Yeah. Are like the yeah. guys on teams that nobody thinks are gonna win. Yep. So like, do you actually like think that there's a possibility for an upset? And that's like guys mm-hmm. like DK Metcalf. That would be like I don't think anybody thinks the Texans are gonna win. So like DeAndre yeah. Hopkins, and then I think another one is like Derrick Henry. Um, obviously he tore up the Patriots, but I I don't think that like you know anybody thinks that they're going to beat the Ravens, but like their yeah. rush defense is one of the best in the leagues. Um, no and like, obviously like a key to beating the tech, the Ravens is keeping the ball out of their awesome offenses hands. Cause they can score so quickly. So like yep. they definitely have two of the um, ways that you could beat the Ravens. And that would be like a true differential pick there, but it's yep. just like, yeah, man, do you have the guts? Do you actually have the guts to do it? Because like, if you know the, that player loses and, you're the only one that has him, then like you're screwed. You could pick last. Yeah. Yep. Uh, speaking of some present things, Mason, one of the things that just took place was the discussion of potential rule changes. Um, and one of those is that we will probably be moving away from the playoff challenge and doing a potential lottery for next year as the commissioner. What are your thoughts on this potential rule change? Yeah, I mean nothing potential about it. It's it's happening. I think we're oh, gonna you know okay. well, look at a look at something, look at one of those I don't know like a lottery machine or something like that, and do like the the like lottery balls that the NBA does, and do like a a, a big lottery presentation. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, yep. I was for it. I think it's you know like something that just like creates parity in the league, which is always fun when everybody has a chance. Um, and I think like the way that we're gonna do it, ranking the keepers and then giving out a like via via fantasy pros and then giving out like the the highest chance in the lottery to the person with the worst keeper is a really good way to do parity um so i think like you know it doesn't disincentivize you from having a good keeper because you still have a chance at a high pick um but it also you know like gives teams with like really bad keepers the chance to like fill out their team with like this year's saquon or whoever it is uh what are your thoughts yeah, man. Um, I'll, I'll give you some pros and cons. Um, the, one of the pros for me is that after finishing in second last season, Ryan and I came in second in the playoff challenge, then came in second this season. And if we come in second in the playoff challenge again, I may just quit. Uh, I don't know how many more second place finishes I can get. So the lottery takes that out of my hands and <laughs> just gives us whatever pick uh, maybe we deserve. I'll say one of the cons uh, comes specifically from currently being a Detroit Red Wings fan. 
The Red Wings are on pace to be the worst team in the cap era in the 2000s, which means they have the highest odds of landing the number one pick. And yet, uh, when you look at the lottery balls, there's still a 50% chance that they fall three picks and get the fourth pick. Mm-hmm. And I just think about somebody like Alex, you know, who um, he's this year's last place finisher. He's going to have the highest odds of getting the number one pick in a, a new lottery system like we might do next year. And yeah. what happens when you get the 10th pick? That yeah. kind of sucks. Like, mm-hmm. I kind of like being able to control uh, in the playoff challenge by skill whether or not um, I'm going to get a high pick or a low pick. And if you've had a bad season, the playoff challenge is kind of a chance to prove you're still a really solid owner. And mm-hmm. um, you understand fantasy sports and you're going to do well and get a high pick. So. I don't know, man. I, I can see some pros and cons both ways, but I think regardless, the uh, the lottery will be a highly anticipated event uh, in the Sunday's finest calendar. So so that'll be yeah, a lot of fun. For sure. Yeah, I agree with you. And I think also like what Madison said, you weren't there, but Madison said something that I thought was really smart and something I want to keep in mind is like, you know, there's always going to be like what appear to us better ways to do things like quote unquote. Yeah. But the thing is, is, like, the game is not so much about, you know, like, creating the most fair game or the most, like, you know, like, ideal game that we can think of. It's about, like, you know, building a game that we all like and then, like, sticking with it and enjoying it. And, like, that's, like, the identity of our league, you know? (laughs) So I think, like, that's something I'm going to balance against, like, rule changes in the future. And I think that was, like, a really good point by him. Yeah, absolutely. yeah, I think that's what we have for present. So moving to the future, just a little little sneak preview at, uh, at the, the 2020 season. Um, yeah. And for us, that all begins and ends with keepers, an integral part of our league, every uh, team getting to pick one keeper. Um, so I think something that goes with that is also the draft order. And um, invariably, because, you know, there's like some teams that have like two keepable players, there's always like really valuable people at the top of the draft. Yep. So I'm going to ask you, we'll ask some questions about like keepers in general. And then we'll also ask uh, this question. And that's what I want to start with. Um, and that's what pick do you want in the 2020 draft, Jake? And then also like off of that, where does the drop off happen between guys that you really want and then guys who are actually second round players? You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean. Obviously, you want the number one pick if, uh, if at all possible. For sure. Specifically because I think you know Jacob and Zach have a, a really tough decision on their hands between Saquon and Lamar. Um, yeah. But I, mean, I think they're, they're, they're going to keep Lamar for sure. Yeah. So I think Saquon's going to be out there. And you can't blame them, man. Um, for sure. When you look at at the stats that Lamar put up this season, he was a solid QB and an elite running back combined. So yeah. <laughs> it's pretty it's ridiculous. Incredible. That being said, I think Saquon is is probably maybe in a, a tier of his own as far as um, who could potentially be available. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, then you know you kind of start to look at some of the guys who who might be there. Derrick Henry is somebody who I think is probably going to be available and um, a really great option for net as well, assuming that Riley keeps Dalvin Cook. Um, then there's Chris Godwin and Nick Chubb off of our team, or possibly DeAndre Hopkins if we decide to keep one of those two guys just mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I think maybe Travis Kelsey. It's at that point, I feel like there's a bit of a dip, at least in my mind. I believe I just listed off about six guys. Yeah. So I think that's kind of what we're we're shooting for. And, and even in a way, kind of how we hope to strategize for the playoff challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously would love number one, but I think I think there's a really solid maybe top six picks yeah. uh, before it drops off into a range of something like, you know, the DJ Moores and Allen Robinsons, uh, Stefan Diggs, Le'Veon, mm-hmm. um, none of those guys I think are are somebody that they're not like top be, guys. Oh, they're guys. That, they're guys that you want still. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. I think I think it feels similarly. It's interesting because like last year I felt like there was a really clear like top three, and then like maybe maybe Kelsey I think is what I picked with four, and then after that it was like a pretty significant drop off. And then this year I feel like it's really just Saquon, like just in a league of his own, like you said. And then I'd, I'd probably put it about the same area. There's probably a drop off about after pick seven, but all those yeah. guys up there are like pretty interchangeable. I think I have my best available being Saquon, obviously, at number one. Um, and then whoever you guys don't keep out of Nuke or Chubb. Um, and then uh, Derrick Henry, Julio, this is in no particular order, Godwin, 
Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, and Leonard Fournette. And I think like after that, you're going to get into the guys that even though they're like obviously have like paths to very high leverage roles, like there's question marks about them. So I think like, you know, top seven is actually going to probably end up pretty good. So that's like a lot more generous than last year was. So I think there's like yeah. a lot of uh, uh, availability for people who don't have good keepers to make a push this year. Absolutely. Which and brings- I think uh, I was just, oh, okay. go ahead. I, 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 I was just reading an article um, about some of the guys who might get drafted in April. Um, and from what I'm reading, I think it could be a really talented draft class with you a lot of guys look. who are ready to step in immediately so so i think definitely, the other thought back to rookie running backs is what you really look after for guys who can step in and like immediately be good and there's like a handful of those if i remember correctly absolutely and i think that that is maybe the first time in which um you start to to take a look at well maybe a later round pick isn't such a bad option after sure. all because you can get two two really solid options instead of one guy who's really good like a Derrick Henry or a yeah. Fernand and then a, a second round pick that's clearly not as good so so we'll see lots to still happen between now and then but yeah, uh, yeah I think there's a good top six or seven yeah I think you want to be picking in the top six or seven and then other than that you probably want the last pick in the draft yeah. yep um yeah so which brings me to the next question um about keepers and we'll ask just three quick ones and get your thoughts on them and then we'll probably peace out um but uh First question is, uh, who has a sneaky good keeper? Obviously, you know, there's the top ones that everyone thinks about, but, like, who has a sneaky good one? Yeah. I'm going to have to go with uh, – it'll be interesting to see if he does decide to keep this guy, but I think Joe Mixon could be a sneaky good keeper if Jake mm-hmm. Davis decides to to stick around with him, um, specifically if you think about not only how well he played at the end of the season with a truly just – abhorrent offensive line and was still able to do what he did you know if they bring in joe burrow um they realize that their fan base has been pissed off for a long time hasn't won a a playoff game in like a hundred years you bring in a guy like joe burrow who i think is seasoned and ready for the nfl right now he's like 23 years old people point out than lamar so i think he's going to step in and probably be one of the best rookies we've, we've seen in some time if they can do anything anything to help their offensive line within the draft within free agency I think that Joe Mixon could be a, a really sneaky good keeper pick. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. And my only uh, my only hope is that the the Bengals next year don't become the Browns from this year. Like the guys yeah. whose draft values just get super inflated because everyone's hyped hyped about them. Because I think they'll be good, but I think it's just like you know how how high does that draft position actually go up for those guys? I like that pick. Um, it's one I had in mind, but the one that I'm gonna go with. Um, is actually Odell as a post-hype sleeper here. I think that, like, he's a guy, like, obviously, like, you know, again, the noise about around the Browns is, like, they're dysfunctional. They can't do anything right. Like, it's, I think that's, like, all going to continue over the offseason. And, then, like, everybody's just, like, all their draft values are going to fall. And so I think that, you know, maybe Odell won't finish as, like, you know, one of the top seven best keepers. But I think that he's sneaky good, and I don't think that he's the worst keeper, which is probably what a lot of people think right now. I think he's, you know, probably going to be end up being top ten. Because I think they figure it out. Like, I think, like, obviously, like, he's been playing hurt, and I think that Baker is not nearly as bad as he has played this year. And so I think they, like, make some moves, address some of the offensive line stuff. And I think that, yeah, Odell ends up, like, probably having that top ten season that we all thought he would have. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, who, so uh, next question, who is in trouble with their keeper? There we go. That uh, That's always a question um, as we, we start to head into the draft, Who who's kind of um, shot themselves in the foot a little bit before we've even started. And honestly, every year that goes by in Sunday's finest, I feel like this is less and less of a conversation because um, there's so much parity in the league already. Everyone's a really solid owner. There's no one I can point out like maybe I could have in years past and just said, like, that's an awful keeper. That is Mm -hmm. so bad. (laughs) Um, But I will say that I think, um, you know, I'm I'm curious what Madison uh, Ladder does because he's got a couple options between Gurley, Cooper Cup, and Juju. Um, Any of those three guys I think could could still have a really solid season and he won't be in trouble. But I think he's maybe got the biggest um, question on his hands that's not just to, like, do I keep – player A or player B. There's a couple of guys there you could take. And when you get into that range, 
Um, if they're not elite players, that means it's probably because none of them are really jumping off the page at you. Mm-hmm, and so yeah. I don't think Madison's in a lot of trouble, but he's he's maybe not a guy I would want to switch positions with when it comes to keeper decisions right now. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think my answer for who would be in trouble is probably Jackson. I mean, I think like he's it's a step up still. Like he's like you know worked his way up in the keeper rankings, but still like I just think. Mike Evans has shown that like he has like such a range of outcomes in his seasons and his game to game stuff. Um, it's just it's just hard to really trust him. Like you want to be keeping a running back, period. And then like if you can't keep a running back, you want to be like keeping a guy with a, a lot of consistency. And I just I just don't know if Mike Evans has that. Um, yeah. Honorable mention too. I think like he'll still get his, but I think like. Kamara has always been named as, you know, one of the consensus easy top four running backs. But yeah. I think like his usage pattern has been kind of like confusing to me. And I think mm-hmm. a lot of his points came from like catches. Like he really only had like one huge 30 point week, like the weeks that we really expect out of him. And so that's what I'm a little nervous about if I'm Alex. Like don't feel like, you know, full panic mode, but a little nervous. Yeah, I'll, uh, I'll throw an honorable mention in too. I'm going to kind of go against you, but I think Odell could be a, a bit of a trouble sleeper. And sure. this is why. There's a long offseason ahead, man. And mm-hmm. if we know one thing about Odell, it's that his offseason is never quiet. Yep. <laughs> Honestly, dude fair. can end up on another team. Uh, they still don't have a head coach. Uh, Baker, I think it's going to be really interesting to see his draft value. But um, the guy's proven he can he can do it at times, and he looks terrible at other times. So it – it's really going to be interesting to see what happens with Odell. I think you're right. He could be a sneaky good pick uh, for keeper. He could also be the worst keeper. And yeah. um, we'll have to see how it all plays out. It for will sure. be drama-filled, I am sure. Yeah, absolutely. That uh, pretty much covers it, I think, the the sneak preview for 2020. Um, and that's probably it for us until until next year. It is, it is 2020 wow. now, but there is uh, still, oh, man, how many months? Like six, seven, even eight months? Yeah. Before yeah. we really start thinking about fantasy again, yeah, eight months. And Sad. sure, mock season will come quickly. We're already looking for that. Um, but, man, yeah, it's been another fun year, another good year. Best fantasy football league in the land. Um, oh, no. Any final thoughts or words before we uh, hang it up for the end of this season? Oh, Mason, if uh, if we're in the semifinals next year and you are too, I think I'm going to lose on purpose. I can't. <laughs> I can't do it again. I can't do it three years in a row. I just can't. Yeah. Oh, but until next season, Mason, I, I'm excited. Uh, love this league. Proud to be in it. And, um, yeah, man, can't can't wait for next year. Uh, every season's better than the last. Absolutely agree. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next time. Right. Hey. Peace out. Party like a Saturday.